Go to Psalm 103, verse 1, and stand with me, please. Psalm 103 and verse 1. Just one verse, Psalm 103 and verse 1. Say it with me. Let's say it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Let's pray. Father, bless the service. Help us to turn it around and somehow bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right, so it is coming up to Christmas. I hope you realize that, and I want to encourage you. I encourage myself to give our best gifts to the Lord Jesus. You will find yourself trying to find a unique gift, a good gift, uh, the best gift. I hate Amazon. If you ever go into Amazon and say, because we have to use Amazon to send gifts to the grandkids over in California or, you know, uh, down in Arkansas or whatever. And, you know, this, this super internet site, I go through billions of pages and I go, this is worthless. And you're searching for a gift, you know. Let me tell you, uh, you're in Psalm 103. Go to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. In verse 1, Psalm 29, verse 1. Notice the first word. Give. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Now, he's talking to people who had strength, who were masculine, who were... Who were uh, heavy duty muscles, he said, give the Lord, O ye mighty, given to the Lord glory and what? You know, if you've got strength, give it to the God, give it to the Lord. If you've got any, any smarts, if you've got any health, if you've got anything that is valuable, good, why don't you give it to God? Why don't you let Him have it and use it? Verse 2, give the Lord the glory due unto his name. And worship the Lord especially in the beauty of staying holy. Amen. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It is his birthday anyway. What kind of gifts can we give him? Well, I want to talk to you about the most expensive gift that Jesus ever got. So uh, Luke chapter 10 now. Luke chapter 10. As I was reading my Bible, I, I really enjoyed what I'm going to share with you tonight. Um, Luke chapter 10, I didn't think I'd be preaching it, but then I just kept enjoying it. And I go, okay, I'm going to have fun. So I hope it's a blessing to you as we look at this. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, he entered into a certain village, Jesus did, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. and came to him complaining and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful or full of care and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary, your sister, hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now note Mary there, because we're going to come back to her. So, uh, in, in John chapter 12 now, where we're going to go, John chapter 12, we're going to come back and visit this home. 
John chapter 12 and verse 1, it actually is the home, it's actually not their home where they're going to be in, it's the home of Simon, the leper, who's been healed, but Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are there. Chapter 12, verse 1, then six days before the Passover, this is just before Jesus' death on the cross, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, he came back to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Now, they're, in, they're, they're coming into this home with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and it's just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And this is a home that Jesus visited often. But I want you to understand, it wasn't just Jesus that came to visit. Everyone would love a single person, one person to come and say hi. You'd welcome it in. But can you imagine Jesus coming? Because as soon as he arrives, there's Peter, James, John, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, um, uh, Judas and the other Judas, and there's also uh, Thomas and um, Simon Zelote. There were at least 12 other people with Jesus that all came in the door. <laughs> no wonder Mary, sorry, that Martha was freaked out every time Jesus came to visit. Now, it's not that she didn't love it, but it was like a lot of work for her. But not this time. In chapter 12, look at verse 1. I'm sorry, verse 2. Now they made him a supper, and Martha what? You hear her complaining? She's not complaining anymore. And Lazarus, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at table with him. So something has happened where Martha's just busily serving. And and um, something has made the change where Lazarus, now he's just sitting there soaking it all in. Martha's busy tending to at least 13 people. There are probably more than that because usually Jesus had lots of people with him. And um, everything's different this night. It's kind of quiet. And I want to tell you what happened was the previous chapter, Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And wouldn't that change your attitude about life? Amen. If what looked like a disaster, if what looked like was the end, if what looked like God abandoned you and then God flipped it around, wouldn't that change your attitude on life? So sometimes we forget that, you know, we've decided too early to quit, to get upset. When he's at work and he said, I'm glad I wasn't here. Wow. Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can see the glory of God. So when we're going through that valley and everything's, and we're just turning sour and we're just turning bad, slap yourself and say, wait a minute, let's see what God does. So chapter 11 made it so that chapter 12 was so beautiful, so wonderful. And I want you to see Mary's gift in verse 3. Verse 3, then, Mary, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of that ointment. Now, did you know, I think Mary loved Jesus. Would you agree? It is okay to love Jesus. When I got saved, it was a different age, Eric, wasn't it? It was, there was a badge that Christians wore when they came to church or when they were at work or when we were at school. And that this badge of honor we wore was, I love Jesus. 
It was, it was something we were so glad to announce. It's wicked that the un, ungodly have stolen the rainbow. But they stole love now. It's okay to just love Jesus. There aren't many song books. There aren't many song books like a hymnal where there are 700 hymns and 600 of them are about one man. They're love songs. It's okay to love Jesus. Mary loved Jesus. Now you'll find all three of these adults loving Jesus in different ways. It's okay that you're different than pastor. It's okay that you're different than each other because each of these three, Martha, what is she doing? She is loving the Lord by serving others and no longer complaining. Did you know every time you complain when you do something, you've lost your reward. But when you just serve, when you just minister, when you just give of yourself and it's sacrifice time and it's hard, but you do it out of love for the Lord, there is such a reward. Martha is loving Jesus by serving people. Lazarus is loving just by hungering and learning as he's sitting, listening at Jesus' feet. And then enters Mary. And she's got her gift. Okay, so it's not a Christmas gift, all right? But Mary has an on-the-spot, gotta-do-it-now kind of gift that she knew needed to be given right then and there. Because Mary wanted to bless Jesus. I, I want you to think about it for a second. What a thought. We read the verse, bless me, O Lord. Is that how we read Psalm 103? So normally when we pray, we say, God, Bless my wife. God bless my kids. God bless my pastor. God bless um, and, and our nation. God help. We're always asking God to do something. But here's David as he's praying. He says, oh, may I bless you, Lord. Mary wanted to bless Jesus. What a thought. Here's a man who has spent the last three and a half years since his baptism almost nonstop helping and blessing and serving tens of of thousands of people all throughout Israel. And yet on this evening, someone decided they wanted to be a blessing to him. That someone was a nobody. She's not one of the great women. There are other women that more notable uh, repeated their names throughout Scripture a lot, like Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, uh, uh, Mary the wife of Cleopas. No, this is... A Mary that comes out of nowhere. And she says, I want to be a blessing. Now her gift, you kind of know all about it. It was a, what's called a, they call it, look at there in verse uh, three, it says, then Mary took a pound of ointment. Now, how many of you ever bought your wife perfume and it says one quarter ounce? <laughs> and then it says, do toilet. You go, where did that come from? <laughs> it's French. <laughs> I always wonder about that. A pound of spikenard. Very expensive oils and spices sealed in a very decorative box of an expensive stonework. This was incredibly costly. It was a fortune in value. It was actually a year's wages. Now, how much do you make in a year? Think about this. 
you can't think about the number, the amount of pennies that it cost her, or the amount of, uh, of uh, things, because you have to understand it, it was the equivalent of a year's wage. I know people, normal people, who make 25,000 euros a year. Did you know there are perfumes that cost one bottle, 143,000 pounds at Herod's on sale tonight? Let me describe this. Clyde Christian has earned a reputation for creating some of the finest and most beautifully crafted perfumes in the world. Most famous of all, perhaps, is scent number one. I'd say scent number 143,000. <laughs> scent number one perfume that has become renowned as the most expensive perfume in the world. He calls it the perfume of my heart. Yeah, perfume of your pocketbook. But perfume of my heart. It is contained in a signature handmade crystal bottle. And it is draped in handcraft 24 karat lattice work gold. It is, a, it is what's called a work of art with a price tag of $143,000. You wouldn't believe that perfume could cost that much. So this woman has a box that has she has spent years saving up and, and is purchased for herself. Now, let's move on. There's amazing Roma in the room. Her gift is not just a box. It has been opened. And, wow, it says there at the end of verse 3, and the house, not just the room, but the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, it upset the other apostles, verse 4. Then one of the disciples... Judas Iscariot. It actually wasn't just him. According to the other gospel writers, it says all of them got upset. This is this is the um, this is Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which would betray Jesus. And he said, "This why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence a year's wages and given to the poor?" This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And had the bag and bearer what was put therein. What a waste. And I think, I think you, if you take a moment, you'll think and you'll understand why all the other disciples agreed with him. You see, these people were not like our generation. We waste everything. We don't care about how much water we use. We don't care about how much food we throw away every day. We don't care how quickly we get tired of our clothes and go get new ones. We waste just about everything we use. They wasted nothing. So it was naturally a shocker that somebody would take something so precious for such an important time in their life, their death, and they would just break it right there out without any pretense, didn't come in, announce it, just, just broke it open, let it spill out all over Jesus. I want you to understand, this, this oil has, has splattered all over Jesus' clothes, not just his feet. And I'm going to bring that out to you in just a moment. Because there was more to that gift um, than, um, than just that box. Now, 
Judas claimed to care about the poor, which he didn't. And I'm going to say, if you ever decide to really love the Lord Jesus, just where it comes second nature, and you just love him, people will always judge you. They'll always be claiming to be concerned about how you're wasting your life now that you're saved. I heard it dozens of times. When God put on my heart after I got saved to be a missionary to Ireland, I barely could find out on a map. My dad said, what a waste. My friends at school said, what? You're going to starve. I remember my dad going over my finances. I was having a hard time at school trying to make ends meet. I was paying my bills and everything. My dad said, let me look at your finances. So he's looking at it and he goes, what? You take 10% and you tithe? What a waste. I've heard that so many times. What about people who look at you spending all day on Sunday with God's people instead of down at the beach or in front of the telly? What will everybody say? What a waste. What about when they find out, like our neighbors did, when other people, when we teach our children, and now I get to teach my grandchildren Bible songs and Bible verses instead of pop songs and music videos and letting them have iPhones and tablets. Oh yeah, what a waste, Ledbetter. No, I know what I'm doing. Everybody who sits in judgment of you as a Christian is a hypocrite. Just make you sure you're just doing it out of love. There was more to that gift than just expensive perfume and oils. Her, her gift, I'm going to show you. This gift was her own will. It was, it was what she wanted. What was Martha wanting to do for everybody? Serve them. It was her desire to go and fix something and bring it to them. It was Lazarus. Now, Lazarus is worthless in the kitchen, evidently. Okay? He's, he's, he's just a normal guy. He, once people are in the house, he does, I mean, maybe he could work outside, but inside he just feels like two thumbs, four thumbs, ten thumbs. And he doesn't do anything. He just sits there. And his gift is to give God his time. He made a choice, just like Mary did, of her own will to give her gift. She gave out of her own pocket. <clears throat> and you know what? It was not easy for a woman to save up to buy something for her own self. I don't know if she looked out on the horizon and saw no hope of ever being married. She said, I'll not have any children. I'll not have a husband who will care for me when I get older. I have to do it myself. I have to prepare for my own funeral. Think about it. And she did. But when it came time that Jesus came to her house, he went into her room, she said, I paid for this, and I'm going to give it to Jesus. Isn't it wonderful when a child looks at Christmas instead of saying, Daddy, let's go buy this, and let's go buy that with Daddy's money. Isn't it nice when Johnny says, Daddy, I've got eight euros I've saved all year long. I want to buy my sister something. You go, wow, is that priceless? So this, this woman out of her own pocket, it is of great personal sacrifice. She's not just giving something she didn't need. 
She's giving out a great sacrifice. It was an act of love simply, she just simply because she loved him. What do you, what do you do in a day just because you love Jesus? Those are going to be the days that God rewards best. You better start thinking about making Christmas and making every day. Lord, what can I do for you? It was for Jesus alone. It didn't matter whether anybody else got a blessing out of it. It didn't matter whether anybody else appreciated it. It didn't matter whether anybody noticed her or cared what she was doing or understood what she was doing. It didn't matter if anybody helped her. She was going to do it for him and him alone. That's a good way to give a gift to the Lord Jesus. And when she gave it, she used it all up on him. She didn't hold a little bit back. She gave it all. She was weird. It was out of ordinary. Nobody would appreciate. Listen, somebody would say, you just spilled oil all over me. <laughs> but you know what's so different about this gift? It was embarrassing for her to give it. How do we normally hand a gift to somebody? We've taken the time to wrap it, haven't we? Put a bow on it, put a nice card on it, write a card saying some sentiment in the scripture verse maybe, and then we hand the wrapped gift to somebody, don't we? But not Mary. Mary took it, and to the embarrassment, everybody's like, (gasps) she broke it open, it spilled out all over the floor, and then she got down on the floor and she wiped it up onto his feet with her hair. That's pretty embarrassing. That's a gift. That's her gift. Now what's cool is it totally blessed Jesus. Look at verse 7. John chapter 12, verse 7. Then said Jesus after Judas and the other guys have, have been shocked and, and, and almost rebuking her for wasting such a, uh, uh, expensive oil on, on Jesus. Then said Jesus, let her alone. I could just see Jesus almost standing up to Judas. Wow. Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor, always ye have with you. But me, ye have not always. So Jesus stands up to Judas and all of them, and he says, you can help the poor, and I hope you do. But if you're going to do anything for me, you better do it now. You know, one of these days, I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to praise Jesus. I'm going to sing on key. I'm going to shout and dance and run and have a time of my life, and the Lord's not going to be impressed at all. You know why? Because it will be easy to do there, won't it? But if I do that now, when my heart is the heaviest, when my pocket is the emptiest, when my life is the worst, it's a gift then. Do you understand? And I thought this was kind of cool. He's going to wear that gift of that aroma for the next six days. I don't think he bathed for six days after that. Would you agree? 
Somebody has just invested their their year's savings, or maybe their life savings. Everywhere he goes for the next six days, what is that awesome smell? What is that aroma? He's going to wear that gift proudly for the next six days. You know, up until the day he was beaten and spit upon and whipped and crucified, he smelled like that spikenard. It'd be like somebody giving you a hideous necktie or a horrible blouse or skirt or maybe the worst shoes. But they come from your grandkids. You can't turn it away. And so you put that on and you wear it and everybody else is going, but you go, my grandchildren gave this to me. I'm not taking it off. And he honors Mary's beautiful faith. You know what her faith was? She actually had been listening to Jesus. Faith is not what you think. Faith is not what you believe. Faith is what God said and then you agreeing with it. Amen? We've got this idea that, well, pastor, I like you as long as you say what I already believe. What? How about, Pastor, I like it when you preach the word. Amen? So, here are the other apostles and the disciples, and they're following Jesus, and he said, I need you to go to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, and verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth, began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem. They're okay with that. But also, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be what? And be raised again the third day. Then Peter grabbed him. Peter! Now, Peter's a tough guy. He's a brawny fisherman. He has worked all night long uh, on his jobs normally, so he is not a wimp. He grabs Jesus, he takes Jesus, and he began to rebuke Jesus, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Wow. Was Peter paying attention? No. He just heard Jesus saying, I'm going to go and die. And Peter says, you're not going to die. Go to chapter 17, verse 22. 17 and verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry, not that he was going to die, but that he's repeating himself. Uh, uh, Why is he talking so down? (laughs) Matthew 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 18. Still Jesus speaking, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the, unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. How well are you paying attention to the little things that Jesus says that you don't understand? She actually had been listening to him talking about going and dying in Jerusalem. And it's six days before the Passover. There is no threat against Jesus. There are no armies gathering around him. 
But she knows he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He told us he's going into Jerusalem. And when he goes, he's going to die. I better get him ready. She believed what he said. Not completely. She didn't believe he's going to rise. But she believed further than every other apostle in that room. My second point, she actually believed just about everything he taught. Not just the stuff that made sense. She also believed so, it so much that she wanted to prepare him for his death and his burial. I think this is one of the most soft-hearted women in the New Testament. Think about what she was doing. What she was doing, very humiliating. Ladies, keep your softness, please. It is the most beautiful attribute of a woman is to be soft and not, not like the men. I've watched men become timid and effeminate to the point where I just want to throw up. And yet I've watched women, and they're in the limelight, boxers and fighters, and, and those are the married ones. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> You know, what does the Bible say? A broken and a contrite, small heart, God can't refuse. And this one gift is going to be enjoyed by Jesus and by believers forever. Go to Mark 14, where we hear Mark chapter 14, in verse 3. We hear Mark's bit of rendition of it. <clears throat> Mark 14, 3. Again, like I say, it wasn't actually... Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, that was in Luke chapter 10, but now they're in Simon the leper's house, but they're there because it's in Bethany. Bethany's only got like, at that time, maybe 30 houses, 40 houses, so they all come over to Simon's house. Chapter 14, verse 3, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as Jesus sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Now again, does it mention her name? No, but I want you to see something. It doesn't say, oh, by the way, this is that Mary. No. Just a woman comes in with a box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she break the box and poured it on his head, ends up down at his feet, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me, ye have not always. She hath done what she could. And she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verse 9, she, he says this, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Never forget this woman. Application. The wise men gave priceless gifts to Jesus at his birth. Gold. I don't know how much gold did they give, but if you're, if you're traveled 600 miles, you're not going to give a coin. They gave Jesus gold. They probably made it so that, the guess is that Joseph died. 
sometime after Jesus' birth, maybe three years, five years. They had, they had six more children, so it probably is at least ten more years later, and then Joseph is gone, and so Mary doesn't have to live in the poorhouse. She's got this bit of gold that will get her through the rest of her life. Frankincense. That's a priceless incense that is kept for the most wealthiest of homes. And myrrh, a very expensive healing, healing herb that the most people only had tiniest portions of in their house for health reasons and to, uh, to help people. And yet Mary and Joseph had a bucket load of them give it to them. All because of Jesus. But this woman gave Jesus something far better and it wasn't even Christmas. What did she give that I can give? Are you ready? Our attention. Start reading your Bible where you... Don't race through it. I'm for everybody reading their Bible through in a year, but pay attention like he's talking to you. Would you do that? I have times where I like to just read out loud. It blesses me to hear me... No, sorry. (laughs) That was a joke. No, it actually helps me think I'm there when I hear it. Pay attention to every word. Pay attention to every tug of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that as Jesus came in and sat down and as Martha quickly got busy bringing food in and quickly fixing food and quickly making sure everybody's comfortable and and all the kids are taken care of and how she's working so hard, Mary says, what can I give him? And I bet you the Holy Spirit tugged on her heart and says, I got that box. Wouldn't it be neat if we actually were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we paid attention to him? So that nobody had to come along and say, hey, what are you doing? Can you help over here? Hmm. Give God the gift of your attention. I mean, when you're walking, don't look down. Look at the sky. Talk to God and just say, Lord, this is a beautiful day. You need my attention? You got it. Secondly, the time. This is a time where we step away and make our thoughts of Him and all of His blessings to us. Turn around when we say, Lord, you've been good to me. I'd like to be good back. Let me show you something. Psalm 104. Psalm 104. If you remember in Luke chapter 10, Psalm 104, in Luke chapter 10, Martha's busy. Lazarus is doing nothing. But Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's giving him her time. And believe me, you're not going to really have a relationship with anybody, much less God, unless you give him your time. You need to make time where nobody can interrupt, where nobody's more important than Jesus Christ. And you just spend that time with him in the Bible and in prayer. Psalm 104, verse 34 My meditation of him, speaking of the Lord, shall be what? I'll be glad in the Lord. I I need to look forward to that sweetness of when I'm just thinking about him. See, he's different than any other male. He's different than any other human. He's different than any other living thing. You can't think upon him without being blessed. Amen? A time. How about our trust? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11. What is she doing when she's opening up that alabaster box? What is so, hmm, what's possibly, I'm going to use a word, possibly morbid about spending so much money on that alabaster box? It's death. It's focusing on your death. It's preparing for a good death. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, you got a plan for, got a plan for where you're going to be buried. You, there are all kinds of things. But the point is, this, this Jesus has just raised her brother from the dead. She is no longer worrying about dying. She doesn't care whether she dies. She doesn't care if anybody ever notices that she's dead. She doesn't care about anything except the resurrection and the life sitting there in her room now. And so, when you, she is trust, she is so full of trust, she says, I'm abandoning all of my preparations for death, all my preparations for health, all my, I'm just trusting you. That's a great thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to bless him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. I like how it stops there. Just, he is. <laughs> it's everything you need. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, we put belief, and we don't really know what belief is. You know what belief is? It's trust. Belief is where you where you have something you say you believe and then you act on it. That's trust. And she didn't just say, I believe you, Jesus. You're the light of resurrection. She said, I trust you enough that I don't need this anymore. You need it. You're going to be the one that's going into the tomb and I want to bless you. Our trust, our softness. Now, I'm not asking for people to be effeminate. One thing we can learn from Mary is a humility that is beyond our 21st century Western civilization. The word that Jesus uses is the word meekness, where we don't fight or resist what God says to do. Do you ever get to the place where you're ashamed of Jesus? Maybe what you're doing for him. Can you imagine, let's pretend that, uh, I used Western this morning, here's Rodell. Rodell's at work, and he comes under conviction that pastor says you need to give a track out the day, every day. So Rodell, on the job, pulls out a gospel track, and there he is. He goes to one of his co-workers and says, please read this. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and the guy throws it down right in front of him. Don't you ever give it out of track again on that job. <clears throat> Meekness will make it so that you look at him and you're not ashamed. And you say, can I try again? (laughs) And they're like, you should be embarrassed. And you go, I'm not embarrassed. The gospel in this leaflet changed my life. That's meekness. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's softness. That's not somebody saying, don't you ever tell me that I can't do anything. I have the right. There is a softness that ought to be in Christianity where we don't quit, but we're harmless. Amen? Hmm. I think those other apostles and disciples, if it was any other woman, she would have run out of the room embarrassed after what they said about her. You're wasting all of that. But she was 
the right kind of softness where she was determined that she wasn't going to reply, going to respond to him. She was just going to give. By the way, you know, um, getting down on the floor and worshiping Jesus is, is how we're going to worship when we get into heaven. You know that. Let me read to you Revelation chapter 5. When he had taken the book, speaking of Jesus, the four beasts and the four and the twenty elders that were around the throne, they fell down before the Lamb, having one, every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, and they fell down before the Lamb. Down in verse 14, it says, The four beasts said, Amen! And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. In Revelation 19, 4, And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. There's something about going low. Be soft. If every time you come to church, you say, Lord, I don't want to come in here hard, please. I want some, I want to come away with something from your word tonight. I don't care if the pastor hurts me. I don't care if the word crosses me. Please don't let me ever come in and go out the same. That's a gift you can give God. How about our best? Mary was simply doing what she could do. It was her best. Maybe she wasn't a great cook. All right? Maybe that's why she wasn't married yet. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she was, but, but Mary was doing what she could do best when she gave her box of ointment. The lad in the desert, he gave his best, didn't he, when he gave his small lunch of five loaves and two fish. The widow, when she came into the treasury, and put in those two tiniest of coins, the two mites. Jesus said, that's her best. That's priceless. Moses learned how to give his best when he stood before Pharaoh and he stammered, let my people go. What was Moses doing? Giving his best, amen? David gave his best when he ran out of that, ran out into that valley and he picked up five smooth stones and they were like gold. They were like guided missiles, but they were just rocks. But they were his best. Hmm. God doesn't need our money, our gold, or our treasures. He is just blessed when we do our best. You know what I ask of you, Bill? Just your best. Weston, your best. Eric, oh, not sure what to do with that one. You know, let me say this. Thank God that God notices our best. Other people may think we're wasting our time. Oh, that was a stupid thing, or that wasn't any good, or that wasn't enough. God notices our best. Hmm. Lastly, our faithfulness. Go to Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27, <clears throat> verse 60. 27:60. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Oh, I said I started. I need to start in verse sixty. Sorry. And they laid it on, in, and they laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. Speaking of Joseph of Arimathea, and there was Mary watching Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Go to chapter twenty-eight now, in verse one. So they're there. 
They have to go home. But in verse 1 of chapter 28, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began at dawn toward the first day of the week, came, here's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, to see the sepulcher. Now, in another gospel, it says there were actually four women. In another time, it says another. Let me just say this. All of the other apostles abandoned Jesus, but not these women. This Mary is not even mentioned by name as being at the tomb in the morning of the resurrection, but just about all the other women are mentioned. And let me just make step out a little bit on a limb and say, I bet you Mary, the sister of Martha, was there too. Because it's an attribute, it's a character of somebody who's like Mary that just says, I believe him. I'm going to be faithful. Just staying faithful is a gift, ladies and gentlemen. Not constantly up and down and in and out and changing every day. The fact that your wife is staying with you through all these years, gentlemen, faithfully is a gift to us husbands. Amen. The same is true for us husbands to our wives. Amen. If only they would appreciate it. The fact that this church just keeps faithfully preaching and soul winning and singing like we always have is a gift to the Lord. Faithfulness. We're not trying to perform or trying to impress anybody. Amen? We're just trying to stay faithful. Could you give God the gift of being faithful? So that 10 years from now, we're still serving God. If the Lord tarries 50 years from now, All right. Instead of Christmas list of so many things you got to get for others, make also a list of things to give our Lord this Christmas. Like saying, you know, Lord, I'm going to give you my attention. If you want to speak to me, and I'm telling you, he will. He might just call you into the mission field. He might just ask you to do something very hard. Pay attention to the detail. Give him your time, not the leftovers. Make sure you are starting to go, Lord, if you said it, then I believe it, and that means I trust you. I trust you. How about softness? Just stay in soft. Don't let the world harden you. Don't let the world and scars build up. And how about just giving them your best as you faithfully serve them? Father, we just thank you for probably one of the most enjoyable passages in the Bible to preach and to teach and to learn about and to ponder giving of that ointment. It is so profound. And I believe it was the most expensive gift you've ever received. Because the value is in the giving. It's in what was done around that gift. Lord, it blessed you enough that you wanted everyone to always remind the world of what that woman had done. Wouldn't it be important for us to also say, Lord, I'd like to be a blessing to you. I'd like to cry out like David. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, let me bless his holy name. So this Christmas, as we think of trying to be a blessing to so many other people, I pray that we really, really try to bless you and make this time special. Because this is the time we can do it. There's coming a time where it won't make a difference. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.